Hey everyone, it's Jennifer. Welcome back to another episode of Connection. I'm not one to meet strangers via social media, but that's exactly how I met our next guest, Kenny Martone, aka the Healthy Gut Girl on Instagram. And I'm so glad I did. I couldn't have imagined how much we have in common and how parallel our stories are. We both came to LA seeking one thing and found something completely different. I'll let her tell you about it, but here's a little bit about Kitty. Kitty is a holistic health educator and investigative health journalist. She has a background as a nutritional consultant and chef, working alongside nutritional giants such as Dr. Robert Marshall and author Donna Gates. Kitty is the creator of The Total Gut Makeover, author of The Gut Health Diet for Beginners, and The Four-Week Gut Health Plan. She also hosts her own podcast, Stuff Your Doctor Should Know, which you should definitely check out. But in the meantime, here's my conversation with Kitty Martone. I feel like maybe we should like do a trigger warning in the beginning of this between the two of us. <laughs> maybe. Warning. Um, so yeah, let's just uh, jump right in and kind of get to know each other via the podcast. Okay. We've connected. Um, I feel like I want to talk to you about a variety of subjects. One being faith, two being health. Mm-hmm. three being current, current issues and cultural issues and societal, uh, aberrations that seem to be happening. But, yeah. um, I feel like the faith thing will inform everything else. So I don't know if you're comfortable starting there or mm-hmm. if you, if you're comfortable talking about how your faith supports your work in the world. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm comfortable with all of that. Great. Um, yeah. Um, it is a broad, a broad subject. Let me see where I can, I can zero in. Yeah. I mean, I've always been a believer. I've always, I was raised Catholic mm-hmm. and, um, and then I was about to move to Los Angeles and start, uh, well, actually I was, I was about to get married, uh, when I was 20 to, uh, a, a high school sweetheart. And, um, I was doing a modeling job in New Mexico with the front, with this, this girl I had just met, she was another model and she was a, um, a born again Christian. And she was just witnessing the entire time we were working together. It was a 10 day job traveling all over New Mexico. And it was really amazing. And I was, I was about to get married, right. I was about to marry a Catholic guy. Um, and yeah, it was like, she was just filling my mind and my heart with all of this stuff I had never heard before. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I ended up, um, feeling like I needed to get my husband on board literally my fiance on board. It was, it was literally like a month to, before we got married and, and, and he was already a believer. So I was like, look, let's just move the tracks a little and let's just start going to church to this church. And, and let's, let's listen to this part of, of what we've never heard of the gospel and of, of Christianity. And I had literally, my family did an intervention on me. Mm. I remember coming home from church, from Bible study. And um, I, well, first I was sitting outside 
with uh, after church with my girlfriend and her, her family. And we were all praying and it was raining outside and they were praying over me for this very subject. They were like, you know, get my family on board. They don't have to, they just, just to open their hearts so that they can start to come with me to church before we went, before we got married. I didn't think that was a lot to ask. It wasn't like we were non-believers. We were just, Mm -hmm. you know, so there we were praying in the rain. It was sprinkling. And um, yeah, apparently we were so engaged in the prayer. My sister and my fiance had come looking for me because it was late and they drove by and we didn't even hear them. And we were just all just in this passionate circle of prayer. And, and they just thought that was crazy. So they didn't, they just drove away. And then I got in the car, I went home and I opened the door to my home and my whole family is sitting there with my fiance. And they're like, as if they caught me like doing drugs or something. <laughs> and they're like, we need to talk. And it was really traumatic because my mom was so upset. She was like, I'm going to wash my hands. of this." She was actually ironing my wedding gown when this happened, when, when they were doing this intervention, the ironing board was that it was, it was so weird. And, um, and they said, my mom said, I'm going to wash my hands of this. If you're going to do this to this family at this point in time, this is just outrageous. It's crazy. You know, we saw you praying in the rain. You were like crazy people. And it was just so sad. And, um, Hmm. you know, I cried and I was like really devastated about it. And then a couple nights later, I had, uh, I was sleeping with my fiance in his home and I had a dream and I, I dreamt that I got up and went to the restroom and I came back and the door was closed and underneath the door of the bedroom where I was going back into, there was this neon blue light. And I opened the door and Jesus was sitting on my bed and he, I knew that he was there to answer questions for me. And I just started asking questions. And this, getting, dream. this yeah. was the dream. I just got chills too. <laughs> and I, and I started asking questions that I would have never thought to ask at my age, then at 20 years old, they yeah. were random weird. And they mean more to me now than mm. they, than they did when I asked them. And I, um, I, I woke up in the middle of the dream and literally did go to the bathroom and literally came back to bed and the dream picked up where it left off. And that to me has never happened ever in my life. And so it, to me, it was a visitation and then, okay, so I'm going to cut that very long story short because there's a lot more to it, but basically I end up, you know, going on, moving to LA and going in a totally different direction and just not listening to the dream at all and, and not being Christian and becoming a Buddhist, becoming a a Mm -hmm. practicing Vipassana, practicing, Mm -hmm. you know, major hardcore meditation. Um, and I didn't feel like I was lost at the time, but then, you know, when I, when I met my husband, um, you know, who is a believer, I, um, all of this sort of culminated into my practice. And I started working with children and working in my husband's practice um, with these kids who were disabled and stuff. And um, gosh, I really went off the rails, didn't I? I just, I no, to I, I get, I totally get, I mean, our, our stories are just have so many 
similarities. That's, really? I'm, so I'm just, yeah, yeah. I mean, completely about um, going down alternative spiritual paths and, and yeah. constantly being brought back to Christ. Although yeah. I was only, I only was brought back once and that all, that was all it took for me, but I had also been further along in my journey at the mm-hmm. time when Christ came than you were when you were 20. I had, I was in my forties and, and was very clear that when he came, it was him. And I'm like, that's what I was looking for. I'm done. I'm wow. done seeking. I don't need any more. So, yeah. but, but anyway, I did know a continue. So you started working with, yeah. Your- so I started working with these kids and my husband and I just felt so, you know, I had been through so much suffering with relationships, really, really painful mm-hmm. relationships that I was in that I was like, why am I doing this to myself? You know, I just mm-hmm. want a partner. I just want to love a man who loves me back and have integrity with one another and bring the best out in each other. Why is that rocket science, you know, and it, and it was just my, it was me. It was my own trying to be my own God in my own life. And it was just Mm -hmm. not, um, being effective. And so, um, when I met him, I was like, oh my goodness, this is, this is this really happening? Mm. This guy is so beautiful and perfect and amazing. And when we started working with these kids and I started getting my education as, you know, a health educator and it happened so quickly, all of this just jumped in the deep end with, with the health. I was an actress, which I think you, you are too, right? Yes. I've dabbled. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, So I, 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 you know, was doing, that's what, what I came here to do to LA. And so I went, um, you know, was having this relationship with my husband, trying to help these children, trying to be this new person in this new life that I had chosen and, or had been chosen for me and was like struggling because I still hadn't really, you know, gotten back on board with, with Christ yet. Um, and I started to get really depressed and our relationship started to suffer. And, uh, this crazy thing happened this, this, I live in Venice. I live in the Oakwood triangle, which is just like a hotbed of, you know, the, the, the shoreline crypts and, um, the corner that I lived at was this territorial marker and it still is. Mm. And I, I came home from yoga one day and, uh, the whole street was blocked off and a guy had been murdered right outside my door, right? Literally on the street outside my door. And I had met him in the morning on the way to yoga. He would, they were, uh, traffic directing traffic. And, um, I had never been that close to something like that ever. And I came home, Charlie came home from work. They, they were there till midnight. That body lay in the street until midnight um, because they, they could, they needed to find, you know, bullet casings and stuff like that. And so I couldn't, I couldn't settle down. He was, I mean, I could, you know, see him from my window it covered. And I was like, I can't settle in. So, you know, and my husband's like playing video games, you know, like, and I, and I, he's like, babe, I'm from Jersey. You know, this is not new to me. This is not a new thing. And so, um, he went to bed and I got on my knees and I started praying and I just said, this man, you know, his family knows he's been killed, but they don't know where his body lay. They don't know anything. And I just started praying. And, um, the next day, I had a series of really terrifying ghostly events in my home that I have never really had in my life before. And I, what did I do? I turned to a energy healer that I knew and I went to see him and he, um, he did all this crazy work. And I was like, basically what he said is, um, 
he, he said, so there, there's this thing with you. you. Something happened. I didn't tell him anything. And he knew. And I was like, I got so scared by this. And he's like, we need to let this person cross over. And I was like, that's our job. Like, this is so wild. And so he said these prayers and stuff. And I went home and I was terrified about the concept that there was a ghost or that something had happened here that was beyond my the paranormal, that beyond my, my control. And I was telling my girlfriend, who is a Christian, I was telling her this story, just like I'm telling you. And she was like, Kat, she was an esthetician. And, and she's like, she, she was doing a facial on me. And she's like, you're coming to church with me on Saturday. And I was like, okay. And that's it. That's it. She took me to a church here in Santa Monica on, on that following Sunday. Sorry. And, um, and I could not, I could not stop crying through the entire hour. I was just slayed and just torn apart from inside, like revealed, like, just like, you know, this is where you need to be. And, and you have been lost for so long. And that just changed everything. And that informed my practice. So that was a long way to say that I realized that everything that was stopping me from being the best person that I could be was that I wasn't, I wasn't walking with, with Christ. I wasn't, I was my own God in charge of charge of my own life and my own decisions. And I was making a mess of everything and always had been. And that, that was it. And that was, I got baptized like two months later and that was um, three years ago and I'm 52. So like, I got some catching up to do. I love it. I know. Well, I was baptized when I was 47. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I I just got baptized not even a year ago. And, And it's that same revelation of like, I've been trying to control everything and nothing is I'm doing everything everybody's telling me to I'm doing the work I'm showing up I'm meditating I'm eating well I'm doing all of these things I'm a health expert right (laughs) I'm like I'm not happy I'm depressed I'm isolated Mm -hmm. and it was that surrender and like oh my god I don't have to do this on my own yes I am an agent I am an active participant in my life, I have free will, right? We know that from Genesis. That is what God has given us. He has given us the free will to choose him. Yeah. But if we don't, we are in for a life of pain and suffering and devastation and pain and suffering, devastation on your own. Yeah. You know, because we're going to, you know, just because we're Christian doesn't mean that we won't suffer and we'll be in pain. Right. And won't suffer devastation. Correct. But what a difference it is to go through something anything and just think, what have I done? How did I get here? All these questions and torture that we do to ourselves instead of just relying on, you know, uh, on our faith and on, and on God and just saying, I, I, okay, I don't, I, I surrender. That's the big thing about it is laying it down, like mm-hmm. surrendering the fact that you are not in control, which is very hard to do. I mean, mm-hmm. really hard. Well, that was, that's what happened when Jesus came to me. It felt like a hundred pounds have been like physically lifted off my shoulder. I was like, oh my God, I can breathe. I could actually feel, I had a hard time breathing into my chest, into here. Cause it was so, it, it would get stuck or it was painful. Mm-hmm. And I, I literally felt like I could breathe and, and truly exhale. And it makes you a stronger person in the world. Like, yeah. Again, this speaks, I think we could go on forever and I do want to get into health, but 
um, it speaks to this culture of everything is a personal devastation these days. Mm-hmm. Everything takes us down. The littlest, we call someone the wrong pronoun and we're off the hook. And right. everything is about me mm-hmm. and catering to my feelings. And I, I, what I like to say in a piece I wrote is like, I grew up, I matured in the matter of like, there's a, there's a certain immaturity. I feel like that kind of vague spirituality kept me in. Yeah. Um, that everything had to cater to me or my beliefs or my feelings, as opposed to being like, okay, that's what you believe. This is what I believe. Yeah. Moving on. (laughs) Right. You know, you hit the nail right on the head there. And I think that if anyone hears this, who, who, who knew me throughout my life, besides my family, Um, they'll probably fall off their chair to hear me say this, which is humility, you know, like that is what just like an anvil over my head, just squashed me down to my rightful place, which is, this is not about you. And it never has been about you. You are a cog in the wheel of humanity. That's it. You, you, the part you and the part you play, you may never even know the part you play. The part Mm -hmm. you play as a nutritionist or as a podcast host or as an actress may not even be the essential part that God needs you for. You may just be facilitating the, the help of someone who is playing a larger role in the play than you are. Like that for me, I think that's the hardest part about Christian, about being a Christian and handing your life over to Christ is to say, it's, I'm not waiting for this big day of my glory anymore. I'm not waiting mm-hmm. to hit it big as a podcaster and to mm-hmm. become Catalina, the actress. Like I'm not waiting for that anymore. And that took, I mean, I was already beaten down by the time it <laughs> happened. <laughs> You know, I had already been through all kinds of rejection and all kinds, even in, in the health world, yeah. you know, I kept on saying, I remember I would get like self-help people and even in podcasts and stuff. And I would, I would talk to friends and I'd be like, you know, I feel like I was one of the pioneers with Donna Gates and, and all these people who were doing the, the gut health world. Mm-hmm. And I would say to my friends, I feel like I'm watching the train go by the gut health train, go by on the tracks that I helped build. Mm. What a, I mean, that is such, I can't say that. And I cringe. It's so cringy. Really? You helped build the gut health world. Like that's where my mind was. I literally thought that I was the gut health, whatever. And that's what I did with everything my whole life with my boyfriends, with my whatever hobbies I was doing, I felt like this, like this, I am like the queen of this right now. And Mm -hmm. for me to come off of that and just get put in place Mm -hmm. was humbling and, and actually a relief. Like you said, like you could take a deep breath and just be like, I have such relief, not feeling like I have to fight every fight and win every fight and be the queen of every fight. Like, I'm so glad that I don't have to do that anymore. Oh, <laughs> sister, I so know that because so much is like, what's my mission? And my mission was always like, I have to save the world. <laughs> like I have yeah. to teach everyone meditation. And when I realized I was teaching, I mean, granted, like you, you know, I, I can look back at my career and say, I've probably done some good. Right. But it was about me. It was about my need to save the world and my need. I'm like, 
oh man, that is not my job anymore. Yeah. That is God's job. And however he wants to use me, it might, my job may have been to, to be there for someone on a Tuesday. And that was it like to, to listen to them. That may yeah. have been the job that day or yeah. like I, I, yeah, that, that need for, um, attention and that I'm the one who's doing this and look mm. at me. And I think for me that, that stemmed from a deep, um, sense of insecurity and, and like to know that I'm acknowledged and safe and recognized and loved by Christ. I don't need that anymore. I don't need right. you acknowledge me. I just get to have fun now. Like I I'm doing this podcast because it is a joy for me and it is fun. Yeah. And I love connecting with people. And so yeah. I have no, I mean, I do say like, I'd like to be the Joe Rogan of, of the female Joe Rogan, but only not, not for the, not for the amount of viewers, but because I like to have all different people on, like, I'm curious about health, but I'm also curious about policy and politics. Right. Yeah. And so I, I like to think of it in that way is that I'm really curious yeah. and I want to get to the truth of things. Right. Um, yeah. And maybe this is a good segue to talk about the truth of health and the truth mm. of gut health and, and what you found in your journey as a health professional and the mm -hmm. truth of our health. Well, I love that question. And, and on the heels of what we were just saying would be right, would be a good segue is to say that, you know, humility doesn't mean that it's not important what you're doing right. or what I was doing that I all of a sudden get knocked off this, this precipice or this, you know, platform down here where I'm just like a lowly, like, doesn't matter what I do. That's definitely not it. You know, you're, whatever you do is as important as you, you know, is how you value it. And so yeah. I, I, what I do is very important. I just do it for different reasons now. Correct. What drives yes. me is different reason. And so the gut health world, um, you know, as many practitioners, all of that stemmed from my own illness and my own, which so many practitioners, you know, have the same journey and, and doctors and everyone who, who serves people really starts with that, which is, I have some kind of problem. And mine was all my health issues were, were, you know, since I was born and, mm. and then I just went the conventional medical route my whole life, because that's all we knew, especially growing up as a military brat, just like, you know, military hospitals, military doctors. And that was all like, you're just an experiment and it's just medicine, medicine, medicine. And it was great. It saved my life. You know, like I countless times, uh, you know, conventional medicine saved my life. And so then, you know, I got to a point where my body couldn't take the drugs anymore. And I was past puberty and getting into my twenties and I was like, this is, I can't live like this. I'm, I'm so sick. I had a lot of auto autoimmune issues. I had really debilitating form of herpes virus inside mm. my body that exacerbated on my meninges and created like a type of encephalitis. And it was just horrifying. Wow. And I had that for years and, um, just needed to, could not, no one, there was no help. There was no help as far as conventional doctors were concerned. And the medications they were giving me were just making me worse. So I had to go, I had to find another way or I was just going to die and, um, or kill myself from overdoing, uh, overdosing on Medicaid pain meds and booze when I was in, you know, having a, a flare up. And 
you know, in LA, of course, there's a, you know, it's like Starbucks, there's a Reiki master on every corner. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so I found a lot of alternative therapies and a lot of them helped in many ways, but it wasn't until I met my husband, um, who's a chiropractor. And that was where he, not just what he did for me, but what he introduced me to, to right. cleansing and coffee enemas. And, you know, like this whole lifestyle of self-care, like who knew I never <laughs> knew there was such a thing, you know? And I'm like, what I can just take today and do a sauna and a this and a that, you know, we had the luxury of being a chiropractic wellness center. So we had a sauna in the, in the home office and everything. So, um, and then, you know, working with these children with him and seeing all of their gut health issues and noticing that my, my I had studied nutrition at that point, um, that none of what I learned could help these babies, these young kids, these autistic kids and children with vaccine injuries and whatnot. I couldn't help them with the conventional wisdom that I you know, had, mm. had gained. So I had to seek out another field, another other help. And that was when I found Donna Gates and the body ecology diet and the gut and psychology wow. syndrome. And I found all this and Donna lived here and her publicist was a client of my husband's random, no. Uh, so God really set that up for me. I mean, instantaneous, these things fell into place. Like you would not believe once I shifted from acting to health, it's like, I mean, talk about fitting a square peg in a round hole with acting. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden the world in the health world just opened up and laid out before me. And God was like, this is what you're doing now. I mean, I went from getting my certification in nutrition to helping children with metabolic disorders that couldn't speak and had G tubes. And I mean, it was like jumped in the deep end with this stuff. And so Donna Gates helped me with that. And I discovered that gut health is everything. I mean, it is, you know, there's a lot of other things There's mineral balance and thyroid balance and hormone, but gut health, you can't get anything accomplished. You will be fighting fronts on, you know, fighting battles on all fronts if you don't deal with your gut. And so that was the first truth for me was, um, gut health matters, you know, and that's, yeah. I went down that, that really, I, I was like, it, it forged in the fire. Like I had to learn on my toes ASAP because these kids were volatile in their disposition. They mm -hmm. were, they were delicate. They were, they could die easily. So many of them have, and, you know, have since then. Um, and so I didn't have time to, there was, I just had to jump in and say, all right, mud packing, mud therapy, let's try this, you know, yeah. let's do coconut kefir. Let's put that in the G tube and see what happens. Like we, I just had to just go with it and yeah. Was, well, that's so interesting. You say that I've, I've had, a, this has come up a couple times just in the past five days. Cause something happened with me in like 48 hours. And all of a sudden I have a new job was not looking for it. Uh, you know, and I had been praying for, um, cause I'm in grad school, which took up all of my time for the first year, but mm. I have the whole, basically the whole summer off. I'm doing an internship, but you know, I was asking for, uh, a, a, a job that would be fulfilling and meaningful and obviously help support me and all these things. And like, I wasn't even looking for it 48 hours. So I've had a lot of these conversations with my pastor and with, with the company I'm working with is like, God works so quickly. Like yeah. you better be ready. It's like, we, we pray for all of these things for years and years and years. Right. And we're like, mm -hmm. when God went and he's like, 
you know, it's never a gradual thing. It's like, oh, I was preparing you that whole time you were waiting. Yeah. You should have been used for preparation because now you're go. <laughs> we're putting you and it's like the relief pitcher or whatever. It's now your time. Go. Yeah. And it happens so quickly. God works so quickly is what yeah. I found just like you. And I'm like, and you better be prepared to say yes. When he calls like that's right. that's the only thing is like when he calls, I just want to be ready to say yes. Yeah. So true. Yeah. And that's, that's what I did that whole time. And then, you know, we, it was a lot and I learned a lot, but I, it was also like, it came to an end for me because well, there was a lot of things that happened, including we left that, that facility and we moved to our own practice and Charlie still sees the children and I still get parents and I still work with children, but not in that it was almost, it was a center where people came from out of town mm. um, and brought their children to the center and they were on programs. So they were like, you know, three week programs and they yeah. would see a chiropractor, they'd see an occupational therapist and all these different people. And I was the nutritionist and so, and, and doing all these other kind of therapies like mud therapy and stuff. And, um, and so it was a, like a summer camp, like a hardcore summer camp. And then we, we couldn't do that any longer. And we moved to our own office. And then um, my husband fired me. <laughs> we discovered that if we wanted to have a lasting marriage, that we should probably not work together. <laughs> Smart. Uh, oh, it's funny. I mean, I'm kidding. It wasn't that bad, but it was right. definitely like we can't work together because yeah. I just had different perceptions of how to run the office than he did. And so um, he's like, yep, yeah, you're done. So, which was fine because I really wanted to do the healthy gut girl stuff. I really wanted to start to branch out with programs and things like that. And what was working, what had been working from that time that I was in forged in the fire um, was, was I wanted to create a program out of that. And so that just started the ball rolling. And then, you know, it rolled into having this estrogen dominance support group that I have on Facebook, which, mm. which started seven years ago. And that group um, came because, you know, out of all my gut healing and everything I had done for my own health, I still was not able to hold a pregnancy. I was still not able to get pregnant. Mm. I would keep miscarrying. And so I started to investigate why isn't the gut health thing working, balancing my hormones. So I started that group and oh my goodness, talk about working quickly. That group grew so fast. And now it's almost 20,000 members wow. and a lot of them are active. It's like 70% active or something crazy like that. And, um, you know, it's women are really struggling with their hormones and, uh, fertility and, um, and, you know, I, I discovered progesterone therapy in the midst of that, those studies. And I, I mean, at the beginning of the group is when I started doing progesterone and that that was another truth that changed my life. Um, you're right. We could talk for hours and hours. That's a whole other story for another day. The whole progesterone uh, thing, because, you know, God was like, you are doing this. This is, you are going to spread this message about progesterone therapy to everyone, as many people as you possibly can, because it is not what people think it is. It is beneficial and, and benign, and it is going to support so many women in fertility and, and in their hormones and men. And it just, it's like an onion. It just keeps on giving and giving. I'm getting to the core of this, of just like 
layers and layers of what progesterone actually is. And every, you hear progesterone and automatically you think sex hormone, pregnancy, women, you don't think, you know, inflammation in the brain. If you don't have enough, you don't think uh, estrogen dominance. You don't think of all the things that go wrong in the bone loss. You don't think mm. of the things because we don't know. And medicine is not caught up to the research yet in regards to what progesterone actually is. So that's, that's a whole thing that I'm in now that I'm submersed in now. And, um, in the group, this woman who owned a company that was a progesterone, she made progesterone and she came into our group and she befriended me and she said, Hey, you know, you're doing, it was months later that she was in the group. And she said, you're doing amazing things for my company and supporting the, the, the progesterone message, bioidentical progesterone message. Would you like to collaborate? And I was like, of course, this is great. I would love to. And she passes away and oh she dies. Goodness. She had catamenial epilepsy, which is a hormonally triggered, uh, sharp decline in progesterone and, uh, and sharp uh, spike in estrogen. And it causes these seizures and it's called catamenial epilepsy. It's very common, and, uh, but not a lot of people talk about it and not a lot of doctors know what to do about it. Well, progesterone at high doses helps prevent them so she knew this and she couldn't get the doses she wanted. So she decided to make her own product. And so she did that. Anyway, she had a complication with her health and she passed away. And her husband, who was her chemist, reached out to me after he was done grieving and going through all that. And he reached out to me and realized that I had been collaborating with her. And he said, do you want to come on board and be our CEO? And this was just like a year ago. And I was like... Um, okay. He's like, just do what you're doing. That's all just, you know, more social outreach. Yeah. Maybe you can redesign our website and our product labels. And I was like, yes, please. So I'm literally juggling all those plates now. And, um, but it was so, so blessed. It was so such an anointed, such a blessed direction mm -hmm. that was mind blowing. Um, because I, I had gone to Sedona because a good friend of mine was diagnosed with prostate cancer. And I went to go be with him while he went to his first doctor's appointments. And he took me to Sedona. I had never been to Sedona. And mm. we went to, have you been to Sedona? I have long time ago. In There's my... this beautiful, like a beautiful Catholic church. Do you know it? Mm, mm -mm. Is this Catholic gorgeous church on the side of the mountain. That's just like mid-century modern, crazy, beautiful design. And I went there and I was taking all these pictures and I had this, came home, had these crazy photos with these beautiful light flares that look like, like, um, not jellyfish, what a stingrays, right? And I'm sitting here, I'm like, can you believe these pictures? And then there's this rock that they call uh, Madonna and Child, this carve, it's not a carving, it's just a, you know, a, a structure, a, a rock structure in the back. Of, of, of Mary and the baby Jesus. And you can see it in the silhouette. It's not a carving, it's just there. Mm -hmm. It's the reason they picked that location for the church. Anyway, my husband, it was a very fertile experience. Mm -hmm. And I'm sitting with my husband showing him the photos and he goes, that looks like the logo for that one progesterone cream that um, Nat Pro, which is another brand of cream. And I pull out the bottle and it's the same. And that logo, that woman chose that logo because it is the progesterone molecule under a microscope 
it looks like a stingray. And I could, Charlie and I were just sitting there like, and you know, I have this job offer, progesterone, fertility. I mean, it was such a beautiful, God was like, can I make this any more clear? This is the direction you are going, do it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I know those moments. Yeah. So so talk to us a little bit, because I I don't think everyone is familiar with progesterone, estrogen, testosterone, Mm -hmm. male, female, what all of these have to do with health. I mean, that's a whole new world for me. I know a lot about gut health, but the hormone thing, and I think, you know, I've asked you about this. I'm like, what tests do I take? How do I know? You know, because especially as women get older, we're like, we start losing those, that balance. And I don't even know, I'm not even sure I know the role of everything in my body. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I'm not sure anybody does really. (laughs) I think even, you know, I've been to enough conventions now and some, I go to these conventions as a journal, as a health journalist, since I'm not a doctor, I go under my husband's license and I, I go to these things and I like, listen to these doctors talk about these and they don't agree. None of them agree. You know, mm. <laughs> it's so funny. So it's very complex. The endocrine system and hormones are very, very complex. And, um, but, but what I do know is that um, for many reasons, as we age uh, and also just our environment, our food, our stress level, our toxic burden, our toxic load has an effect on our hormone levels and on our hormone, how our hormones react. Our, our, our hormones are messengers, right? And we all have the same hormones. Men and women have the same hormones. No, you know, estrogen is in men and women. We all have the same ones. There's hundreds and hundreds of hormones. There might be thousands, but I think it's hundreds. And we only hear about testosterone and progesterone and sex hormones mostly. But these hormones are like the conductors, the, the, mm-hmm. actually the glands are our conductors of how we produce and what we do with these hormones. And we have this steroidal pathway that looks like a overview of the subway system of New York. Like, you know, those, you get those, it's like all these different red and blue and green lines going in all different directions, east, west, north, south. And it, that's what our steroidal pathways in our body, they travel in these pathways. and um, the endocrine system. And, uh, they are again, very complex, but the thing is with us, as we age, it becomes very obvious that things are going wrong when we get, when we try to get pregnant, when we go, well, let's go, when we go through puberty, it all shows up. And then when we go through, get into our thirties and our forties and exponentially the levels decrease and decrease. And then the bad hormones tend to stay elevated like estrogen. I don't say bad hormones, but potentially dangerous hormones like cortisol, they stay elevated and they start to cause all these problems in a very simplistic way. That's kind of what ends up happening. But hormones are like how, how we see something out in the world and then how we respond to it internally. That's hormonal depression. Mm. That's hormonal. Mm. Even though gut health, plays a huge role in hormones. And a lot of hormones are produced in the gut. These are all intertwined. We can't talk about one without talking about the other. And so, you know, um, you know, children as young as eight months have been diagnosed with depression. Now, Uh, you know, um, children can be born estrogen dominant. We have all of this gender confusion now. And people are like, oh, it's the way we raise our kids. What if it's actually coming from our soil and our food and our toxic burden, and it's upsetting the balance of our minerals 
and thus our gut health and thus our, our hormone balance, you know? So we have a lot of things playing into hormone imbalance. So progesterone is really high up at the top of that pathway we just talked about. So is DHEA and pregnenolone are the Mm. raw materials used to make every single hormone. And progesterone is up there too. It donates to make estrogen, testosterone, cortisol, and all sorts. And they're finding out it's a bit of a chameleon and it can come in and do the work of other hormones Mm. when you're lacking in those. The problem is it donates to make cortisol, which is our stress hormone. Right. So when we have high levels of cortisol, we have a lot of stress in our lives, biochemically and emotionally, environmentally, that cortisol is going to pull, it's going to steal that progesterone. And here's the big role of progesterone. I'll make it super simple. Estrogen is the lion, progesterone is the lion tamer. And so it's got a very important job. It's got to keep that estrogen, no matter what time in your cycle, no matter if you're a man or a woman and you're you're, you're, you know, you elevate and decline and everything, just like a woman does. not the same levels, but you do this the same, you go up and down. If your progesterone is not there to oppose that lion, that lion will do very naughty things. Estrogen is mitogenic. It causes cells to divide and grow like an embryo. It makes things grow. It makes Ah. breast tissue grow. It makes cysts grow, polyps grow. It makes things grow. So if progesterone is not there to govern that and oppose that, it will go, it'll run amok in your body. Well, if it's too busy getting shunted to make cortisol because you're in a fight or flight all day long up here, you're not going to have enough progesterone and it's always going to be deficient and that estrogen is going to run amok. And so that is like basically it. That is, so my job has become to also to promote ONAs, but any high quality progesterone. You don't have to buy Onas. I just love Onas, but any, any high quality progesterone can contribute and help to oppose that estrogen. And we have been told for years now, and you can ask, you can call up 10 medical doctors right now, and they will all tell you that progesterone causes cancer and can cause cancer. And that is very backwards, very wrong, very incorrect because they have never learned the difference between synthetic progestins that are in birth control and progesterone that is bioidentical to the one that we make. And they're still Mm -hmm. operating on that. That's a whole other subject. But so, you know, my whole job in this group and now with my gut health clients and everyone is how are your hormones? Let's look at both. Let's look at gut health. Let's look at your hormones. Let's look at what's going on with your, do you have signs of estrogen dominance, which doesn't mean you have too much estrogen. It just, right. means it's, it's dominant. It's not do- ah, nice. It's dominating at the wrong time. So, yeah. Wow. That was so helpful. <laughs> I hope everyone else found it as helpful as I did, but it reminds me because I've, we've had the, a lot of these discussions in my policy courses, because a lot of I'm not just studying economics and health policy, although I'm doing that. We talk a lot about philosophy, right? And the the and I, I think I can tie this in and the and what it means to be human. What is human nature? Mm. And we have appetite, like all animals. We have instinct, appetite, and we have reason. The 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 distinction of humans is this is the brain. We have mm. reason. 
and we use reason, desires are wonderful, appetite is wonderful, but we can't always just act on that or we're no better than an animal in the wild just hunting for food. Right. We were given reason to control the appetite, to tame the appetite, to direct it in a positive manner for the good of society, for the good of our health. And I kind of see that as like human nature, like what you're describing with hormones is yeah. like human nature in the biochemical version of it, right? Mm-hmm. It is actually the, the chemical manifestation of what's happening in your body of human nature. Yeah. I love that. That's very, um, I mean, I know that, you know, alchemical stuff, alchemy or whatever, the whole concept of as above, so below, I think they stole that from the Bible, frankly, but I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. Because, because that is true. It's like as above, so below as above, so within, like we, we have, you know, the, the microbiome, uh, the, uh, the ecosystem of the, of the rainforest, right. Of the Amazon rainforest, let's say is got the same um, percentages of harmony, let's call it, of balance that our microbiome does. So it's 80%, like the, the Brazilian, the Amazon rainforest, 80% is um, flora, fauna, is like a beneficial, 20% is pathogenic, is, um, uh, is you know, potentially dangerous, you know, like there is this, we're going to go off the rails here. There is this great planet, planet earth episode called the jungle floor. And it's just about like, uh, insects living on the jungle floor and how, you know, there's a checks and balances with the insects because they could destroy a rainforest. Certain types of ants can destroy a Mm. rainforest. And how does that not always happen? How, why, why, why doesn't it happen? And there's this fungus called, it's a mushroom, it's a fungus mushroom called cordyceps, right? And it's a type of cordyceps that, that um, like spores onto the ants and then like infects one of the ants in his brain, gets into his brain like a parasite and makes him kind of crazy and makes him do crazy things. And he, he the, the, the colony sees that and they're like, oh, this ant is sick. And they take the ant and they take him to the highest point on in, in the top of a tree and they leave him there to die. And then this fungus engulfs his whole entire body. And it looks like something out of sci-fi with these strange, I mean, it's so beautiful and weird. And then it's its own little mushroom with the little insect on the inside. And then it grows and it spawns again. And then it falls on a colony and it starts to kill off certain populations of the colony. And it does it over and over and over. And it's this like intelligence that keeps certain insect colonies from taking over the forest floor. I mean, the for- the whole forest. Same thing with our microbiomes. You know, we have E. coli, we have staph and strep, and we have all kinds of potentially mm-hmm. dangerous microbes in there. And estrogen, it's not a microbe but it's a hormone that is potentially dangerous. It is so incredibly potent. It can kill you, but it needs the balance of progesterone. It's that's so perfect what you said. And that's the whole planet, isn't it? It's, it's civilization. How many of us, you know, are, are school shooters? None, but the percentage that is, 
is gonna, you know, can do great, incredibly har uh, incredible harm. It's just like the way we are made. <laughs> so, wow, I, I just, I just wrote a post. I'm trying to get it published too. About, see, I knew this was going to develop into societal. <laughs> I knew we were going to go. Good, I good. Just, but um, about gun control, and I'm all for having the discussion about tighter restrictions. I do think, you know, because of the state of the world we're in. Mm -hmm. you know, we do need tighter restrictions, but the, the issue is our, we are so sick. No one's talking about the truth. No and the truth is it. we are fat. We are sick in the head. We are sick in the body. We are spiritually sick. We are a sick society. Fatherless. Father. I mean, so much of it, right. Can yeah. that we could so many factors, but we are sick and no one wants to talk about the cure to the disease. They want to put a bandaid on it and mm -hmm. make it go away. Meanwhile, the disease is festering and getting bigger. And yeah, you know, this is what I'm learning. This is why this has been the brilliance of policy. You know, I'm going to learn about public policy cool. and politics, but the thing is, is policy is actually not the solution. Policy provides alternatives right? Mm -hmm. You have alternatives. You have, you can, what, what do we do with gun control? But those are the only thing policy is there to do is to put guardrails on our appetites, on these things that could potentially cause destruction. Interesting. But, but the thing is, is that govern, governments are not there. They weren't there to give us the safeguards. It, those were the jobs of churches of schools, of community, of conversation, of people relating one to another at the mm -hmm. micro cost, like the micro level. And when we stop doing that and we turn over the actual, the solution formulation to governments, mm -hmm. they're not working on a personal level. They don't know the individual, like you work with individuals, right? Individual biomes, individual imbalances, individual hormones. Mm -hmm. you, you can't create a hormonal policy that's going to fix everybody. Right. You have right. to work with the individuals based on what you know from God's wisdom, from nature, from observing nature, mm -hmm. natural hierarchies. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Predator um and and kind of prey systems. What like you said, the ant becomes the predator mm -hmm. and then becomes the prey of like mm -hmm. the wisdom of nature. And you apply that wisdom to each individual. We've lost that. And we are turning to the wrong people for the solution. Yeah. I mean, the perfect example is COVID. You know, how many times did they get up on television and scare the hell out of everybody and talk about, um, you know, uh, how many people are dying, when the vaccine is going to come out? You know, ne never once did the head of the Ministry of Health did the czar of the health department or whoever, all these different health experts, never did they get up and show you a list of vitamin C, vitamin D, you know, uh, try to avoid these kind of things, try to get sunlight at this time of day. Did they do that once? Did they do that once? That's the root cause. Yeah. That's the root cause that we have to look at. Instead, they're like, how can we make money off of this? How can we medicate it to death? How can we, uh, you know, um, uh, put guardrails? How can we sequester people? And it was just the complete, everyone was looking the complete opposite direction. And they never tried to get people to pay attention to the real problem. Same thing with the gun thing, you know? Yeah. It's like, 
I mean, they're going to take they're going to take the guns. They're going to try to restrict and take the guns away from decent people. And then all the criminals are going to be left with guns. Yeah. I <laughs> and know. then what are you going to do? There's so much. I, I said, you know, I, I opened kind of my piece with like, I refuse to go. I knew what happened. I think I saw it in a news bit. I saw there was a mass shooting and I refuse to go on Twitter, YouTube or the news for the next at least through the weekend. Because I don't need to, I don't need to hear more vitriol and anger around something that's not the problem. Heartbreaking. Yeah. Again, I'm not saying that there, we, we can't have tighter restrictions. There should be background checks. You should need certain things to own a gun. And I don't Mm -hmm. think that automatic weapons that they use in war, you know, I, I have my, it doesn't actually matter what I believe, but to, to refuse to actually address the ills at the mm-hmm. root level and just put band-aids on them, you know, and I, and I, and I also see like through my studies is I, I do think people have the best of intentions. I think they're ill-informed. I think mm-hmm. they don't know what, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I also think they're nefarious people at play. Like you said, there's money involved. There's the pharmaceutical companies make a lot of money. A lot of people mm-hmm. are making a lot of money from this. A lot of people make a lot of money from war. A lot of people, you know, so yeah, I think all of these things, but you know, I had somebody was, we had a speaker at a free speech conference on Monday at Pepperdine. And someone said, I believe people are every, all people are inherently good. And I had that belief <laughs> before Christianity. And I'm like, mm, I can't, I can't get it. I don't, I don't. Yeah. And, and maybe they are, but what happened is, you know, we can say the evil has overtaken. The, yeah. The devil is a strong persuader and the ego is a strong adversary. Yeah. Of, of that. So um, they should rephrase that. They should say, I think people are inherently decent. I, cause mm-hmm. I think that that's what they mean. You know, like mm. I am not going to, you know, like most people are not extreme in their actions. The most, right. the most damage most people do is maybe f- have a, have an argument with the, the manager at UPS about something. People are not in, in, uh, they're decent. They're not going to go and key their neighbor's car because, you know, their dog won't stop barking. That's most people are decent, but are most people inherently good? No, we know that for sure. Like we know that for sure. Most people inherently fall back on on sinning, they fall back on the things they, they, and that, but I think that there's these social parameters that we have, like about keying someone's car or, you know, people are behind the wheel of their car and they, 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 they find it easy to lash out. But if you're passing someone down the street, walking by them and they do something dumb, I don't know what they do. Some, maybe their dog pooped and you accidentally step on it. Maybe you're, you know, you're like less inclined because you're decent. You're trying to keep the peace. You're trying to be like, I'm not going to say anything. Oh, excuse me. Could you pick that up? Like, you'll never be like, Hey, you know what I mean? So people, I think they're constrained by trying to be the good guy. They're being decent, but good. That's very different. I don't think well, I, I don't know. I think that's what, and that's the point I make in my piece is like when we lose self-regulation and I think this has to do, I do think it's societal and it's what's happening with hormones. And so we have to look at both. We have to look at, okay, why are our hormones so off the rail? What are we eating? What are we, what are we ingesting? What, what's in our food? So mm-hmm. I think there's some science behind it and society. I think science and society are not so far apart, but mm-hmm. 
I think we have lost this ability for self-control, self-restraint. We are mentally unstable in this country. I think that's what we're seeing. And like I said, physically sick, which can cause these, as you and I know, this, the gut health affects the brain and your mental moods and all that. So when, when I think we're seeing less and less of that self-control, when you step and poop, we may have said, Hey, can you pick now people are like getting in fights because of it. Yeah, you're right. It is definitely changing. Yeah. And when we lose self-restraint, moral self-responsibility, then anything's fair game. We can Mm -hmm. now protest outside of somebody's private property, not in a public forum or a public square or at the government. We are now disturbing somebody's private life and thinking that's okay. Mm-hmm. We are going in front of a judge where his, that's his sanctuary, his safety for his family. And we are causing ruckus outside of a house, mm-hmm. right? We are, we now don't invite our family to gatherings because of who they voted for. Mm. That's, that's not mentally okay. Yeah. We're, we're yeah. calling something healthy obesity, healthy on a cover of a magazine. It's not like what's now normal, the new normal shouldn't be considered normal. Like this is that political correctness thing, right? This cannot be okay anymore. We cannot keep saying, oh, everybody should just be themselves and left to their, there's no boundaries, right? There's no boundaries. You know, it's like, there's just this loss of values, you know, there's, I mean, even if someone isn't Christian, you know, the there's just, there's this breakdown of family values happening and, you know, Christianity makes it so easy, but it lays it out for you. You know, Mm -hmm. you've got guidelines. It's like, this is so simple to not, I keep saying simple. It's just laid out for you. And so, but you know, when you don't have a set of values, you, it's so easy to blow with the wind with your, you know, I remember talking to this Paul back when the Ralph Nader days, I was, I was actually um, trying to get Ralph Nader on the ballot, I think at the time. And I, I, I'm not a green candidate, but I, um, I felt like anything, but the two party system was always my thing. Like I just wanted more than the two-party system. So, mm-hmm. and I liked some of what Ralph Nader was doing. So I was really campaigning for him. And I went to this convention and I was talking, I don't remember who it was, some politician on some city council or something. And I said, you know, how do you, how do you like decide on a candidate? They're all so like when you really sit down and talk with them, they're they're so well spoken. And you know, how do you like decide? And, and he's like, you know, you have to come from your core value system Mm -hmm. because you can get sweet talked into anything. That's the whole, that's what's so laughable about politicians and lawyers is that they can sweet talk people. They they can say what you want to hear. And if you don't have that core system of values of what it is you believe, like, you know, at that time I was wavering, but I've always been brought up in a family that my, my father is a, 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 you know, army was in the army and grew up as a military brat. And I always had a, I always valued our freedom. I always understood that at some level. And so, you know, coming from that perspective, even that's a lot, but if you really understand it, if you really start to, you know, read about our, our constitutional rights and the bill of rights and, mm-hmm. and you start to understand, you know, the states, the states, um, um, position in, in, and how your life is run, how you, 
how everything is affected day to day, what the state's position is that, what the local sheriff's position is that in that when you understand those things, and, and I think everyone should spend some time doing that, you start to get really passionate about, about certain things. And then when you look at candidates and they're talking all their sweet talk and they're doing these things and they're just puppets and you're like, I can see right through that. And yep. it's the same thing with Christianity. When you have that core set of values, when you know the gospel and you hear people come at you and talking to you about, you know, Christ consciousness and stuff like that, you see right through it. You can see the flaws in it. You can see the holes in their story. You can see that they are a house of cards and not to say they're bad people or they're awful and you don't have to judge them for it. You can keep your hands out of that, but you can look at it and say, that's not for me. And you can Correct. only do that with like a core, core. set of values, right? Amen. I had, I'm just getting chills like ah. over my entire body. Like it's, it's, um, yay. and it's, it's the same thing when you talk about lawyers and politicians and th that that's what policy and politics is supposed to be. It's the power of persuasion. Yes. That's all it is. And if someone, and, and, and how easily are you persuaded? I'm always, I say like, you know, people think I've been accused since becoming a Christian of like becoming more closed-minded. I'm like, no, it just takes a lot more to persuade me before. Mm -hmm. Like you said, I would go with whatever yeah. tugged at my emotional heart. Kids in cages. What? Yeah. I won't go for him ever again. Oh, you know, you <laughs> That's all awful, of a sudden. Right. It's yeah. without doing any understanding, without understanding how politics works. And this is what so much of what I've become passionate about is about civic education. Mm. You know, I, I keep saying the constitution does not need to be rewritten. It needs to be read. Yes. You need to understand what freedom is, where the constitution comes from. And I will debate anybody who says this nation is not a Christian nation. Now you oh, don't yeah. have to practice Christianity, but you do need to understand that every document prior to the constitution invoked God yeah. and faith and certain principles of, like you said, morality and virtues, yeah. virtues. And if you don't understand that you are just going to be taken for a ride yeah. every single day especially right now when we have so much coming at us. Yeah. I mean, even the atheists who were the, you know, our, the couple that were our founding fathers knew that we needed that foundation because they knew that most people weren't like them. Like, yeah, I, I he, you know, there's people who think that, you know, I'm smart enough. I know enough. I, I, I will never go astray with my values in my household. And, but that's not everybody you know, and, and even so I'm talking to some people who might not be believers. That's not everybody. You people need structure. It's a, it's like a household with children, you know? Um, but if you're a believer, Hey, lucky you <laughs> even better, but the, but it's a, it's like having a household with children and you say, well, we're not children, but you are, do yes. you know the constitution back and forth? Do you know that you are a child when it comes to, to this Republic? If you don't know those things, you may as well be a child. Yeah. And so, and, and when it comes to policy and politics, and so in a household, you know, you need structure, you need borders. You can't just have some vagrants outside that your teenage daughter thinks are her friends to come in. And then all of a sudden they're living out of your house and you're giving to them. And meanwhile, your children are starving. Like you have to have borders. Mm. You have to take care of your own environment, your own home. And you said something else. Um, oh, right. With, with the, you can be easily persuaded. 
I mean, it's so, that is something that the progressive left, and I won't say Democrats because a lot of, I know a lot of Democrats that are not like that. Yeah. The progressive left really functions off of emotion. They Mm -hmm. love to operate all of, and if, if you are someone who's listening to this and you are progressive or you're a Democrat and, you know, just look at it, look at the difference in the way people present information to you. Look at the way MSNBC and, and CNN present information. Look at the little, little ticker toll, death toll on the side of the screen of your, you know, I'm not saying that Fox and other conservatives don't do that either, but look at the way they're pandering to your emotion. They want you to have a visceral, hormonal, emotional reaction when you make a decision. They want you to be disgusted by someone like Donald Trump. They want you to just be operating from emotion because if they can keep you in an emotionally reactive state, they can, they have you where they want you. They can convince you to do anything. They can convince you to take a vaccine that has never even been long-term tested. They can convince you to do just about anything when you are afraid and you are in an emotional state of, of reaction. And that is not a healthy place to come from, right? Like you can still be emotional. I'm not saying be a robot. You can still have your emotions and be terrified of COVID and be all these things, but don't give that power away to people who don't even love you, who don't know you, who don't know the first thing about you. Don't give that to them. So come from a place of being, all right, is this an emotional thing they're saying to me? How do, how is it making me feel? Afraid? Okay, then I need to step back and investigate it in another way, right? Because that emotional response will get you in so much trouble. That was the thing I learned, like when I came out of this kind of spiritual cave and realized like in 2020, what was happening in the world. (laughs) God bless Ben Shapiro. Facts do not (laughs) care about your feelings. Right. (laughs) Oh, I mean, you just summed up an entire piece I wrote about why I left the left. Because oh, really, you, you just left, summed it up because nice. it just pulled it, you. You realize that it's just there's a knee jerk response to everything, an emotional response. And, and I was yeah. volatile. I mean, my friends, my family, I mean, my real friends, my family could see me constantly struggling with mm-hmm. depression, with things, searching. And, and I am a much happier. I mean, again, this goes. Uh, we can have a discussion offline, but I'm just so much happier with some rationale, some reason, some ability to have conversation. You know, I saw someone post today about the, the gun thing, and I had to resist the knee jerk reaction to respond. (laughs) Um, you know, something about all of these things have in common. It's men that are the shooters. So maybe there's another issue we need to look at. And I'm like, Wow. Like without any facts. And yes, it's, it's, it's men, but that's biological because men tend to be more physical in arguments. Mm -hmm. Women tend to be more verbal, Mm -hmm. you know? So, but in a way, what they were saying is men are the problem. Right. And I'm like, that's a big thing now, isn't it? Men are the problem. Mm. Patriarchy, patriarchy, toxic, toxic masculinity. masculinity. Yeah. <laughs> I wrote so a whole sad. paper on that. <laughs> Did you? I want to see all these papers. I, I, I just pa- find, yeah. go ahead. No, I wrote a paper on, on manliness and meaning manliness, like courage and, and, and um, marriage. And so in my research for this, uh, a lot of it was like what second and third wave feminism did to masculinity, manliness, um, 
and uh, these these word salads we're now using to assign mm-hmm. blame and to again big broad generalizations over yeah. you know just painting everything with the broad brushstroke and saying men are the problem when I mean, like, actually know the lack of manliness is a problem the lack of courage mm-hmm. honor respect the cultivation of manliness in the right direction. Again, like I keep, I love this progesterone estrogen thing. You know, it's not the man. It's like you said, fatherlessness. It's the lack of directed manliness, the the lack of directed aggression, Mm -hmm. which can become assertiveness, which we need. Yeah. So anyways, it's like, I knew knew we would go down. (laughs) We would start with health and it would just yeah, no, this is good. It's a it's a multi-topic discussion that we can do again and we can zero in on certain topics. We've kind yeah. of flown through big generalized scopes of of um of viewpoints of different topics, which is awesome. But I think I love the broad picture of seeing how every I mean the the, the title of the podcast is connection. So mm. I think there is a connection between our gut health and it, it's like Ayurveda, like you said, the 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 microcosm is a reflection of the macrocosm. That's mm-hmm. Ayurveda's big principle. What happens in nature happens in us. Mm-hmm. Like that example you pointed to in the Amazon, like we are not, these are not separate entities. No. So if we can understand what's happening in our gut on a micro level, what's happening in our political world on a micro level, we can actually get a broad sense of, I think, what's going on yeah. everywhere. Yeah. Well, you know how I said like the, the, the checks and balances, um, with that fungus on the ants, you know, what if, what if this is just a checks and balances, you know, what if people falling for the, the propaganda, the fear propaganda, the fear porn and, and getting triple boosted and triple vaxxed and then going for the monkey pox and then falling for all this stuff, maybe that is a type and I, I, God, Forgive me if this is inappropriately said, but maybe that's a type of checks and balances where the microcosm is saying, this isn't going to work. We can't have all of these infertile people. And, you know, I'm one of them. We can't have all that. That's not going to be like, we need to reduce the population of, of this, of this infection so that we can balance out and then have more fertile people who are healthy. Like, I mean, I don't, God's in charge. So whatever is happening is, is God wants this to happen. God, God knows that all these people who are gender fluid and gender confused, he knows that he made them. Mm -hmm. He knows it. He made them that way. Mm -hmm. Right. So he's, so there is a plan we just don't see it. And so maybe this is a type of, you know, flushing of the system, like our microbiomes do where we, you know, go, you can't go in there with pesticide. I mean, um, insecticides to try to kill all the bad guys in your gut. You have to find a way to feed the soil so that balance and harmony comes back. So something is going on that is going to create another type of balance. And we just have to trust that that's happening. You know, I love that uncomfortable. <laughs> exactly. I think I love having the uncomfortable conversations because obviously that's an uncomfortable one. Um, mm-hmm. But my favorite question and my favorite response is my favorite question is why not how, but why? And then my favorite response is that's interesting. 
So that's what I would say to you to that. And I'm like, that's an interesting theory. Let's explore that. That's mm-hmm. interesting. Let's explore it. Mm-hmm. Let's get to the truth. Let's kind of dig in. But the fact of the matter is no one wants to dig in because it's very uncomfortable. Right. Because I, I just said, if you're gender fluid, you might be an infection. Someone could take that in that way. Yeah. If I'm, if I'm gender confused or gender fluid, um, I'm, and I'm not going to have babies or, or, I, you know, whatever I'm, I'm part of the, I'm a problem, but mm-hmm. no, I'm just saying, I mean, I'm, I can say that from my perspective because I I'm infertile. I'm, I'm childless. So, so I'm part of that too. Something happened that God said, nope, no kids for you. Like maybe just in my own personal journey, there's a reason for that. Obviously I'm helping other women have babies and that probably wouldn't happen because I would have been so busy with yeah. my own babies. So I'm helping other women have babies and maybe those babies are going to grow up to be some, you know, a uh, uh, civil rights policy maker person who's going to change the world, you know, like I'm a cog in the wheel for God, right? But like, maybe that whole concept of just being, I don't know what I am. I don't feel, I feel like I'm attracted to whatever. That's part of the plan. Like imagine that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's the power too of, of faith is that um, we have to admit, we don't know. We have no clue. And the people that convince you that they know the answers, they're selling something. (laughs) You're looking for love in all the wrong places. So, so true. Oh my God. This has been so much fun. We have to, we have to get together in person and hash all this out. But um, I'd love you to have you on my podcast, please. Oh my God. That would be amazing. Yeah. I'd love to, for you to tell, tell me about, you know, your walk with Christ and then how, how it switched into this wanting to be um, proactive in policy making and learning and, and, and the community. Yeah. This is a beautiful sharing. I would love to do it. And uh, okay. thank you so, so much, Kitty. Have a beautiful day. It's been such an honor. Yay. Thanks for listening, everyone. I'm so excited to be back having important and fun conversations. If you're enjoying the podcast, please leave a review on iTunes and share with a friend. Until next time, stay connected.